downtown. They are open no. at 6 a.m. every day until 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. And until this is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. Broadway in North Fargo. You're listening to 89.1, Ken's FM, KNMV, Holly Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. Party started. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live here on 89.1 Ken's FM, and this is Attitude Air Live time here on Ken's FM 89.1, live every Monday night from 9 p.m. Central to 11 p.m. Central. Entertain your masses, and we're glad that all of you here are with us again tonight for a great blockbuster show. And as always, I do believe Granny is here. Yes, I am ready for another great show on. Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM. And the Nightmare is here. He's back. Yep, I am here for another great show on 89.1 Ken's FM. Yeah, we were kind of worried about you last week, but we're, uh, you know, we're glad that uh, you're uh, able to get back. Uh, You know, we didn't know if there was a wrestling thing. I mean, you don't have to go into it. That's fine. But uh, we're glad that you're here. And uh, the icon is here. So let's get everybody caught up on what we all have been doing uh, lately. Uh, Granny, what's up with you? Let's start with you. Well, we had a Fandetta this past weekend, and we took my son Anthony with us, and this was his first Wrestling for a Cause show since he actually moved to his new place, and everybody was just absolutely amazed on how well he looked, how happy he looked, he even got a couple of nice surprises, and they gave him a special shout-out at the show, and uh, it was just a great night. I mean, we were, they were really happy, they were really happy to see him. They they were really glad that he's doing well, so. And we're also glad that he's doing well as well. Uh, now, Nightmare, what's been up with you, man? What's uh, new with your wrestling career? Any new titles? Uh, no, unfortunately, I have not uh, proclu- or proclaimed any new championships underneath my waist, but I just got done in Glendive, Montana last weekend uh, for Below Zero Wrestling's Badland Ball, uh, where I got to interact with uh, Johnny Flashback, also known as, used to be known as John Morrison uh, in the WWE, also got to interact and work out with JTG and Chris Adonis, also known as Chris Masters from the WWE, where I faced uh, Jake Taylor one-on-one. And unfortunately, uh, I did not come up with the victory, and I ended up dislocating my knee. So I am just uh, recuperating uh, from that injury. Uh, But other than that, it's just, uh, you know, working hard. And next week I'll be in Minneapolis, and the following week I'll be in Mandan, and the next week I'll be in Chippewa Falls. So i got a busy schedule ahead of me, so got to recuperate and rehabilitate. Well, you know, you are going to be uh, you are going to be with us next week and the week after that and all that stuff, right? Absolutely. All right, uh, Grandy, why don't uh, you guys uh, 
anyway, so uh, we got uh, we got a big show here tonight. Uh, our first guest. Uh, let's just go over our guest list. We have uh, David Brandt. Uh, as you guys might not may, may know, he was in the he was the band leader uh, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So we're going to talk to him. Uh, we're going to have uh, Sonoma Sharma. Uh, she was in uh, Bears the Awakening, uh, and she was also in The Lost Ship, and uh, we're going to talk to her and our favorite uh, big event ticket guest tonight is Deborah Twist. Uh, do you happen to know who Deborah Twist is, uh, Nightmare? Uh, name sounds familiar, but I can't pinpoint anything at the moment. Did you ever see the movie? Um, let's see, what was the movie that she was in? Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't know if I can say it um, online because of the the name of it. And uh, <laughs> why can't I remember what it was? Well, I'll get it here in just a second. But anyway, uh, she was uh, uh, she was in the movie uh, Kick Butt. Uh, that's not the name of it. It was actually the other word. But did you ever see that movie from 2010? A lot of people I remember, or a lot of people I used to hang out with, did like that movie. I've actually never seen uh, either one of the, either one of those films actually. And uh, she was in the first one. She was not in the second one. So we're going to ask her what happened. I, I know that the the girl in the movie. Uh, stole the show, so I'm just wondering uh, why she was not in the sequel, but we'll talk to her about that in a little bit. Anyway, let's uh, catch up with what the icon's been up to. Not that anybody cares, but I found out uh, that uh, one of my jobs that I was working, uh, I was put on the cut list, so I'm no longer with that company, unfortunately. But I'll get over that. I'll find another part-time job somewhere else. And... uh, Brendan Dent and I have a big announcement. Um, we're actually going to announce it Friday. I'm not going to announce it here on the air, but I will be talking about it next Monday. We're going to, so anybody that wants to check us out, you can find me on Facebook under Icon. So look that up. And we'll be starting a, a Facebook Live around between 3 and 3.30 on Friday. So you can check out to see what Bernadette and I have up our sleeve. It's going to be a big announcement, and uh, I hope that you guys will all tune in to find out what it is. I made the announcement uh, on Facebook maybe a month ago just to see what people would say. A lot of people think that uh, the Icon and Bernadette are going to finally go on their honeymoon. A lot of people think there might be an Icon Junior on the way. Or I'm getting a big promotion, so who who knows? But catch me Friday, and then also tune in next Monday to find out what the big announcement is. But it is going to be big, and Matthias, when uh, I do make this big announcement, let's just say that there will be a big party afterwards, and you'll be invited out. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, and hopefully there will be a – we'll try and schedule on a weekend that you are not – wrestling but it sounds like you got a pretty full slate yeah for the next like five or six weeks i'm all booked out from minnesota to wisconsin so i'll try to make i'll try to make a an opportune time so let me ask you this how many frequent flyer miles do you think you'll be putting in over the next couple weeks uh well usually when i had my very my busy week in wisconsin i ended up putting on oh uh, let's see 
about eight, um, almost a good 2,500 miles, uh, just going back and forth from Chippewa and Partyville, Wisconsin. I drove about, from the one trip, I drove about 1,000. The other one, I drove about 1,500. So it's just uh, just really busy going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, I would say I'm probably going to put on a good 1,500 again uh, this upcoming weekend. Nah. Yeah, in total for the next few weeks, I'll probably be going to putting on at least a good two, three thousand miles just driving back and forth to these uh, cities and and events. And we have a little time here. I'm just kind of curious. Do you get when you get booked at these places? Do you you get reimbursed for fuel, or do they give you like a flat rate to come on out? Because I know you don't do it for free. No, it, you do. It is. Um, it all depends on what you and the promoter will agree to. Sometimes, in my uh, retrospect, if they want to book me. I'll either I'll either say, all right, well here's the thing, either you pay my trans and my ho- and if I have to stay a hotel, if you book me those, I'll take less of a rate. That way I go down there for free, I get stay there for free, and I'll take less money from the promoter, so it's a less of a bigger, it's a less pay in my in my book. Or I just take a huge rate that will cover everything from hotel to gas and my uh, rate for showing up at the show. I try to make a deal with them. That way, they're not taking too big of a cut, and neither am I. So, now you don't ever ultimate warrior them, do you? Like, say you need your own locker room, you need your own dressing room, uh, oh. you need to make sure you have a bowl full of nothing but green M and M stuff. Like, you don't do that, do you? I mean, as I am the salt of the earth, and I am one of the best competitors in the Midwest today. Of course, they would like to. I would. I would honestly think they would offer me something like that but I never demand it because I know one day it's actually going to come my way. Even though I'm the APW World Heavyweight Champion and soon to be EWI Epic and BCW Tag Team Champion, you know, I'm not going to sit there and demand, demand, demand. Um, But, you know, one day it will come to me. Uh, They will eventually show me the proper respect and give the champion what he deserves. But, you know, I'll just uh, I'll hold off till that happens. I won't make a big stink about it. You know, the one thing I am hoping eventually that, you and Granny will hook up and uh, go down and do wrestling with the cause. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I've been I've been waiting to get down there to Arkansas. I've been waiting for some messages. If uh, wrestling with the cause ever needs uh, North Dakota's number one heel to come down and make a fuss of things, all they got to do is send me one Facebook message and and uh, we'll make it happen. And uh, I know that. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, Granny. I know you don't like the heels, and we know that Matthias is a heel, but. Uh, you know, that's one side of them. But I, I just can't imagine, as uh, us all being co-hosts here, I cannot imagine that you would boo uh, your co-worker. Well, if he's, a heel, if, if he's a heel, yes, I'm going to boo him, Icon. I don't care. I don't care if he's my co-host or not. I mean, if he's a heel, I'm going to boo him. Well, That's just the way it is. That's the way that Granny rolls with the flow. You know, and at Bandetta, Granny got to have a part in the show Saturday night. So, just saying, boys. I mean, just saying. I had a little bit of piece of the action Saturday night at Bandetta, which was quite fun. So, did you interject yourself? And you had to. No, no, no. I was on my side of the banister. Let me kind of lay out the details here. Tony Snow, who is. Go ahead. 
Tony Snow, who is over Snowman Enterprises, one of his boys, Dashing Derek Tibbs, while he was talking to our host, Dexter Hardaway, who was the host of Fandetta Saturday night, he was distracting Dexter, and he was trying to find out the results because, see, the fans were in charge of, like, what happened on each match. We got to vote on what took place. Well, one of the matches, it was a six-man tag team, and they were picking an opponent to team up with Devion and Cappuccino Jones. Well, Dashing Derek Tibbs stole the results. So Dexter comes out, and he had picked five or six of us out of the crowd, and we were part of the Fandetta Board of Directors. And we made the decision to go ahead and agree to the person that Tony Snow had picked to tag up with Devion and Cappuccino Jones, even though Dashing Derek Tibbs stole the results of the voting, we agreed, the board of directors, we agreed to that. Well, lo and behold, the team of Devion, Cappuccino Jones, and Mallow were victorious. And it kind of blew up in Tony Snow's face because when Mallow took off his mask, it was actually one of the Johnnies. It was Johnny Lightning, and Tony Snow was not happy. He was mad. He was angry, he, and he was not a happy person. So, yes, it was quite fun getting to uh, be part of the, the, the event Saturday night. All right. Well, it looks like our first guest is waiting in the wings here. We're going to take a quick little timeout. <clears throat> we'll be back after these messages, and then stick with us for our first guest. We'll be right back. The new Wood Spring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, is an extended stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Suites of Fargo, graded 4.2 by Trust Score. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is going to tell us why rock and roll will never die. Rock and roll is here to stay. And he is the big man on campus, at least the campus at Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our guest at this time. He is David Brandt. Hello, hello. Hey, this is David Brandt. Um, you, uh, one, at one time, a.k.a. Reeves Nebo, you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live on 89.1, Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. And I'm Donald Sagan in the night side. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Well, how should we uh, how should we introduce you, sir? Uh, should we, you want us to call you uh, David, Mr. Brandt, or Mr. You, you, can me, you can call me. No, no, definitely David or Reeves, either one, whatever feels good to you. But David is my name. All right. Well, and more we'll call you people from the old days still call me Reeves. <laughs> we'll call you David here. We want to thank you for being with us tonight, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun here with you. And as everybody knows, we've got about 30 minutes here with our guests. So what we're going to do here, we're going to start okay. out with having you give us a little background about yourself, and then I'll ask you a few questions, and we'll do a roundtable, and I'll ask you some tougher questions. 
Okay. Um, that's, <laughs> I can't wait for some tougher questions. The first part sounds hard enough. Um, no. Um, well, you know, let's see. So, you know, I, 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 um, right now I'm a partially retired psychoanalyst, psychotherapist, and I've been doing that for about 27, 28 years. Um, I still keep my avocation of music, and, and I like to record these days. I've got a little YouTube channel, and um, I still use some of the players from California occasionally on them. But I'm, it's really loose and easy. It's not like it's not to worry about making it anymore. Just having fun with music. I'm into art. I'm in drawing right now and pickleball. Um, so that's now. And I've got two kids. They're they're uh, 23 years old. Um, they're twins, boy and a girl. And um, and I'm very lucky. I sort of had instant family a little later in my life. And um, let's see. So back in the day, I had gotten out of college and I really wanted to be a musician. So I came out to L.A. And long story short is, you know, about two or three years' worth, I found David Resnick, who was the co-partner in founding in my band, Reeves, Nebo, and the Cinch. And we, um, we had a few incarnations. We were the headlights. We had a lot of funny names. We played in basements. We, got, we paid to play, basically. Um, and then before you know it, we were starting to get, like, sat, you know, Saturday nights, Friday nights at the Troubadour, at Madame Wong's. There was a whole new wave, new wave music scene going on out there. Um, and, you know, I mean, and it, it really, it was really a cool scene. I mean, everybody was into going out and playing. There was a big club scene out there. And we, we played at Blackie's, the Central, um, Dylan's, the Arena, all these clubs. Some of them are rather defunct now, you know, out in L.A. So that was kind of fun. And, and then we sort of, you know, came about finding, um, you know, the players that were right for us at the time. And we ended up, uh, Amy Heckerling, who was the director of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, was down with a friend through, through the drummer at the time, Tony, um, and, and they came down and they liked her band, and, and eventually I started to go out with her, and she, but as well, had asked me, did we want to uh, audition for Fast Times? And, uh, and uh, that, that, well, I had, actually, I'm getting the timing wrong because we were going out for a while and she was really coming down to the club scenes and she had not made it yet. She had made a first film. And at some point, um, we were starting to get Saturday night and Friday night gigs and whatnot, and we got, a, we got an audition with Irving Ainsoff for Fast Times, and we, we got it. I mean, we had to, that's an interesting – I could go on about that and the songs we had to prepare. That was fun. And, um, and, and uh, ended up getting married to Amy in the club called The Central, <laughs> and, um, and there were some, some couple of not, not, notoriety people. I, that's not the right word, but, you know, famous folks in the audience, like two guys from the Eagles, I believe. And um, it was kind of beyond anything I could conceive at the time. It was like, whoa, suddenly we're in this whole new world instead of just this sort of grungy, um, you know, dive club scene that we were in. And, um, and uh, suddenly, you know, we, 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 we got the audition. We got in the film. And I think we, I sort of joke and say we got married during the casting and, and, and divorced during the editing. Um, but it was really a really exciting um, time period. I love that time period. No regrets at all. Um, I got to go to dinner with, as the director's husband. I got to go to dinner with lots of people. And, um, and I could tell you some of those stories. And, uh, you know, I, I have sort of some inside views on the movie, which I, if I can remember them all these years later, I'll share some of them with you. And um, that's about it. You know, then I, I sort of went into the business world, the corporate world a little bit after that. I, I, I had gotten accepted into the New Christie Minstrels um, as, a, as a seventh member. I, I didn't want to give up my leather jacket and my album that I was putting out for going on the road. 
So, um, and, and being dressed in a sailor suit, so I declined that, which my, my old man always said was probably the biggest mistake I made in terms of legitimizing myself. Um, and, we, you know, we got a couple of other interesting uh, B-movie B kind of gigs and stuff like that, and I, I kept the David Brandt band going for a little while. And then I played um, open mics with my wife, current wife, for maybe the next five, five, ten years out when I moved back to New Jersey. So I've had about it all over the place. But anyway, I ended up really, really enjoying doing what I'm doing, which is, uh, you know, really, you know, being a therapist. Uh, David Vance, our guest here on 89.1 Kent FM. we got about to 25 minutes. I'm going to ask you a few questions, then we'll do a roundtable. And like I said, we'll come back to me. But, of course, everybody knows that who's seen – uh, who has seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The two uh, main reasons to watch that film are, of course, because of David Brand and the scene with Phoebe Cates in the red, uh, the, uh, the red bikini. Did you, were, you, were you on set for that scene? Did you get to check that out? No. No, I, oh. did, I did get to see some of the dailies from it. I wish I, I mean, that, that was quite an exciting scene and, and, and a time. I, I got to go to dinner with C.B. Cates with Amy one night, and I, I lived downstairs from Judge Reinhold for a while. So, I, I you know, and we would do some events together. So I know the players in that scene, but um, I did not get to see that one. That would have probably been more of a private thing to film, I would imagine. Well, uh, they wouldn't well, let too many, even, even, even husbands of directors wouldn't be allowed to go to that problem. I don't know. Well, I, well that, that, ta that takes care of 37 of my questions, so we'll skip all the. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'm long-winded a little bit, sorry. Well, no, 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 no. That's why well, you didn't get to see the scene. I was going to ask you about that scene, but you, since you didn't get to see it, uh, that, that was pretty oh, my like question. Right there. Uh, so let me yeah. ask you this. What's it like hanging out with Judge Reinhold? Oh, that was a, I mean, he's a funny guy. He's kind of just uh, with a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. Really good guy, actually good heart. Um, you know, really kind of... Um, you got a sense that you got a sense that he really cared about what he did, and and you know he's just a good guy. That's the best I could say. He went and out. He was going out at the time. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just gonna, I mean, he was going out at the time with with the I don't know how when this how when this happened during the process, but at some point, I recall there was a there was a relationship between him and the and the casting person Carrie Frazier, and so they they had a relationship for a while. So. And then Carrie was Amy's good friend. So there was, you know, Amy tends to pick people that she knew and that were talented as well. But, you know, she really did put a lot of people she knew, including my mother, in the, in the show. I don't know. You probably know the scene. Sometimes it plays when it's, when it's too X-rated for a TV station or whatever. They put in the scene with my mother where she's the guidance counselor. Yeah. And, uh, and Judge Reinhold is sitting in her office telling her he's a single successful guy. <laughs> I'm a single successful guy. That's awesome. Uh, David Mansour gets you. We've got about 23 minutes. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, and then we're going to, uh, then when we come back to me, I'm going to ask you some of the other cool uh, people you get to work with on the set. But, uh, sure, sure. Granny, Granny what do you have for a guest? We have David Brandt. He's an awesome guy. He's a music singer, and he can tell you all. Uh, I know that one of Granny's favorite songs is Wooly Bully. So, what do you got for a guest, Granny? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, Icon. Oh, my God. Well, okay. welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you Thank on you. with us. So, I mean, um, I know that had to have been a fun movie to be a part of. I mean, I remember seeing that movie, I mean, you know, throughout my you know, life. I mean, I remember watching it a few times. So what was it like just to be a part of that and work with such great, talented 
actors and actresses in that movie? Oh, I appreciate the question. Uh, you know, it's interesting. At the time, I don't think everybody knew exactly where this movie was going to go. I mean, Cameron Crowe wrote a great book, and, and <laughs> you know, he clearly had spent some time in the school system that he went to to write the book. And Art Linson, the producer, um, uh, you know, I guess got the idea, and Amy's agent met up, and they kind of decided they were going to do the film. And but uh, you know, so you knew there were some big players involved, and and then you know, as I as I'm witnessing it myself, we would get a cassette in the mail. Let's just give you a little bit of the excitement that I felt. Um, we'd get a cassette in the mail from Jackson Brown with a demo version of Somebody's Baby. I still have some of these, and Love Rules by Don Henley. And you know, you'd be even like, uh, Amy, you know, you just got a cassette from like Don Henley, <laughs> and, and and you know, they were just sort of reviewing which song was fit you later learned that it had to fit in Irving Azoff's catalog in order to really get in, which is why they probably didn't put Willie Bully um, or our version on the record, you know, I, I, in some way, which I thought was always a mistake. But, um, but anyway, it was so exciting because I'd have friends come out from New, New York, where I'm from originally, and they get to, I get to come, you know, give them, you know, they get to play in my band. They get to see another buddy of mine who was the head writer of Fridays, the old TV show that was ABC. Um, that a lot of people from Seinfeld came from. Then we go to Universal. So it's like, oh, my God, am I really doing this? So, you know, is this really happening? And, you know, still it was sort of – I still had, was playing with my band, and she was busy doing her thing. I was a pain in the neck probably to her, cause you know, in that regard at that time. But um, but it was just really exciting. But, but then, you know, and a lot of the actors, you know, they were known, but not but really very first time. Like I think Brian Backer had done – the Broadway show One Man's Flight, Floating Light Bulb with Woody Allen or something like that. Something like that. I don't remember the name. And not everybody had done a whole lot, um, but they were named, uh, they were up and coming. So I don't even think we knew quite, except for, uh, what's Vincent, Vincent Scivielli? I can't think of his name, but he's the guy that was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, so mm-hmm. he had been around, and Kevin Costner was pretty early in that. Um, Forrest Whitaker, early in his career. So you didn't really quite know. You knew they were great when you saw the dailies and you kind of got excited watching, you know, watching Lincoln Jefferson and watching, you know, watching Spicoli, who has really lived in character the whole time. So it was just exciting. But I don't think, to answer your question specifically, I don't think um, a lot of people knew to the degree that it was going. But they did get Hart because Cameron Crowe's girlfriend was Nancy Wilson. And so Hart came down and I got to hang, my band got to hang out with her and Cameron at a party at one point. So I mean, I, it was just really, really an exciting, good time to have. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm so happy for that two-year period of time. That's, that's awesome. Uh, David Branch, our guest here on 89. Well, <laughs> I, I knew you would recognize that. <laughs> uh, David Branch, our guest here on 89. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I do recognize it. That's, that's all I was going to say. <laughs> it's a, that, and I love the recording. They did get to, we did get to use our own arrangement, and we still get a little check from the music union and, and SAG for, for that arrangement. I, and I'm the only one who has the original whole recording, which I put up on my YouTube channel with some pictures from my time in that. So, um, and, of course, of all my YouTubes with, you know, up there, that one has like 40,000 views versus all the other ones, which have five or 600. That one, of course, is the one that has the views. So. Uh, David Vance, I guess you're on 89.1 yeah. Ken's FM. I'm going to introduce you to my co-host now, uh, and uh, he's got a few questions. Uh, go ahead, Nightmare. Sure. What do you got? Has been paid for by the New World Order. 
Yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed APW World Heavyweight Champion and soon-to-be EWI Epic and BZW World Tag Team Champion, Matthias here. Welcome on to my part of the program. <laughs> you want to play here? You want to play I'm here violin? And honorary member of honored. the NWO. As well, honorary member of the I, NWO. I welcome, I welcome, just, I just tell you, I welcome you back. I was listening a few shows ago that, uh, you, you know, that Icon sent me earlier, and you were apparently had been out for some reason or another, so I'm glad you're back and glad to hear you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, now, my main, my main question to you would be, a lot of people tend to talk to others that they know and or, you know, celebrities or whatever the case may be, and the one question that goes around is, who is your hero? Now, like, some people will say their father. Some people will say somebody that they, they kind of idolized growing up. Who is your hero and one of your main influences that got you into the line of work and stuff like that that you've done throughout your career? Wow, that's such a, a, a tough question because there's a lot of heroes along the way. But I was going to play with you a little bit by saying, hey, Sex Calhoun, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobo Brazil, because I know you guys are like a wrestling um, station as well on some level. Um, but in reality, in honesty, I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of those names, or am I predating Oh, yeah, definitely. They're all heroes of ours, definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, in a way, they are heroes, right? Um, I would have to go on that level, just the trajectory for a second. I'd go Y.A. Kittle, because um, I was a New York Giants fan in, this, er, in the early 60s. I saw him play Paul Horning, and I love my New York Giants and you know, went to the home games for many years. Um, then, like, you know, then we you know, get out of the – there's some New York Yankees as well, big time. Um, and then we get out of that realm. And you just finished one hell of a job, and the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! That's from – That's from Big Swing. He's a Cowboys fan. Ah, well, you know, I, I got you. I think Granny was talking earlier at one of the shows about that horn, that, that noise that comes up. Every once in a while, it kind of just kind of annoys her a little bit. But <laughs> just mentioning that. Well, no, I I'm, I'm just... I am I am a Chiefs fan. I am a Kansas Uh-oh. City Chiefs fan and a Kansas City Royals fan because I'm originally from Kansas. <laughs> Touchdown Raiders! No, that's great. Didn't play that, and I hate the Raiders, by the way. Thank you, and the Cowboys. Thank you very much. So. <laughs> Just throwing yeah, that out yeah, there. Yeah, I hate the Cowboys for sure, but I got to just say, here we go, Giants, here we go. <clears throat> okay, I just had to get that <laughs> out of my system. That right, well, said, Elton John. Well, that was, yeah, that was got, my main question. I really can't think of any. So if I come up with any more, I'll, uh, I'll give you a heads up. <laughs> well, right, I mean, I'll, I'll just it. say quickly, Bob, well, let me just say quickly, Bob Dylan, um, you know, is a big one in my, in my life, um, you know, for real, like Jimi Hendrix, Elton John. Some of the people from you know from that that era, um, you know, other heroes, you know, definitely, definitely, um, some family people. Some of the therapists I've had I became a therapist. Um, you know, I really, it's a tough question because there's a lot of wonderful, beautiful people along the way. So, uh, David Branson, I guess you're on 89.1 Kids FM. We got about uh, 15 minutes here with uh, David. You know. When you just think about Fast Times at Ridmont High and just think about because you were in the movie, think of how many people got famous because people tuned into that movie just to watch you. I mean, look, you got Phoebe Cates, you got Jennifer Jason Lee, 
Sean Penn, Nicholas Cage, <laughs> uh, Judge Reinhold, Nancy Wilson, Forrest Whitaker. Their careers would not be what they were if it weren't been for you. No, in fact, you know, and, and then the fact that Pam Springsteen was dancing at the prom right in front of us in the red and white uh, uh, horizontally, I think, or maybe it's vertical striped jacket, made me realize that Bruce himself was watching us at some point because he had to have been watching his sister. So, you know, we know Bruce saw us. We know that Amy once bumped into, I think, Debbie Gold, I forget, and Bob Dylan's girlfriend at the time in the mall that they were filming, which I never got up to. There was two or three malls used, and I never got up to the one that, that they did there. I never, but, but he bumped into her girlfriend once, so maybe Bob was watching. Um, you know, there is, there, are, there are these things about it. But, it, you know, definitely the movie couldn't possibly have gone on without Reed Zebo. I mean, that was, that was, you know, in fact, Cameron wouldn't have written it unless he knew preemptively that he was going to be meeting me one day. And how long were you on set for that? <laughs> um, well, that's a good question, and I'll be serious with my answer. Um, we, were, we actually did 170, for some reason, I seem to remember saying over the years, 170 minutes worth of filming, and we did two days, two full days in the studio. I had really pros in my band. By the, end, by the time we were done, there wasn't a player that, you know, one of the guys, several of the guys went on to do other things, but, um, but, but it was, you know, they knew how to lay down something in the studio. So I, I, I wish if anybody was the amateur, it was me. Well, you know, one thing I've always so, yeah, wanted to ask. Now, you did, perform your, you did perform live for, for uh, the film, right? That was not dubbed over. You did perform live. and they did No, 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 no. That's a, that's a great question. No, we actually, they were playing what we had done in the studio. They were playing it through the mics, but we, we sank it. You know, so we, we actually did like have our amps and we plugged in, it was for real. We didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't not play, but we, but we were, they were using, I believe that the soundtrack is going and the people were moving to the actual music through the PA system that we had recorded. So we know it was not live. I wish, I wish I could say it was, but it wasn't. So now we did play along like we were doing it. So now, so you guys uh, actually had the fake playing and everything. What do they take the strings off the guitar and stuff or how do they do that? No, no, no. I mean, I, I think, I think the, you know, the sound can be worked. I'm assuming, I, I don't know technically the answer to this question exactly, but in my recollection, what did we actually, did we, maybe we didn't play through the amps. Uh, so, I mean, we had our guitars. One, one way you could tell would be if there was a wire coming out of our guitars and attached to the amp. Um, so we'd have to really look at that. I, I can't tell you that I fully remember. I just remember really getting into the song because when you're going to sync something, you've got to like take the position and do it like you mean it, like you're actually doing it. So you're singing out loud along with it. But, um, but you know, they have the, they probably pipe in the, the, the sounds from a, from a gymnasium, from people dancing. It was a bit, you know, one of the nice things about that scene was it was really enlivened. Everybody was really at a prom, you know, they made it feel that way. And even the te- you know, the, the, the principal or whoever comes up and, dis- and disciplines everybody. I mean, you really felt like it was all going on. And then they did refilm. I, I think Spicoli jumped up and, and did his thing a couple of times where he pushes me off the stage. I push him back and, you know, we try to, you know, kind of offer the mic. And, and that, I don't, I don't remember if there were more, how many takes there were, if it was one take or several, but it seemed to go pretty smoothly. But I imagine if it was 170 minutes, they had to do a couple of different shots and angles and, you know, and stuff like that. Wish I could but, tell you, know, you more, had, more exactly. You know, we had uh, Jeffrey Weissman on here last week, and, uh, of course, he was the second George McFly in uh, uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3. Now, <laughs> he, told us, he told us about 
when uh, he was on set when they had to redo the Chapman Undersea Dance, if there was a mistake, everybody had to go back to where they started and then start going forward yes. again and then just to make sure everything was synced up with the camera. Now, as a performer, that that has to be kind of annoying, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, okay, cut, yeah, let's question. do it again. How many, how well, many let takes? me tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a funny story about that one. Um, I, I was at one point we were taking any kind of gig we could get, especially if it had anything to do with getting our mugs up somewhere or another. So I knew this woman um, through through some family members that that was hiring people at like 170 back in those days, 175 dollars for you know to to be a, an extra in a in a McDonald's commercial. And when they they would polish up a burger and you're supposed to take a bite of it and they had to keep a bag under the table to spit it out in because they'd have to retake the shot like 40 times. And, and so you take a bite, they polish the top of the, the bun so it's shiny, <laughs> and, you know, and you have to keep doing this thing. Um, so, it, yeah, it could be annoying as hell, especially if you have to keep putting a burger in your mouth. <laughs> um, so let me ask but, you, um, did you, you know, eat on burgers or did you, or did you never eat another burger after that? <laughs> well, you know, back in the day, I don't think I was as conscious of uh, so, uh, of my food intake and and what was a good diet or not. And I think, you know, we were just, we were happy to get to this before we did the movie to happy to just, you know, take the band to this before, before the movie to a McDonald's and just get a good scrambled egg meal in order to get everybody fed and happy so that they could like play for the, you know, the next six or seven hours in the studio as we got, a, you know, I think diet culinary interests changed a little bit. Uh, as I got married, Amy and I like to go to juniors in LA and, um, and a lot of, you know, I, we, we ate more, a little more standard food. But McDo- I didn't never live off of McDonald's, but it was, it was, it was good to get there sometimes. Uh, David Vance, our guest here on 89.1 Kens FM. For those of you who go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday, you like that. Go to 89.1 Kens FM page, like that. Do a $10 a month donation to Power Tower. We'll get you qualified to win the autograph picks from past guests, current guests, uh, uh, future guests. And I know David's already sent some to us, so uh, we'll be giving those away in our July show. Now, another couple of things I want to ask about. When you uh, decided to, you're, you decided to give up music and you decided to become a uh, uh, psychoanalyst. Uh, analyst, is that correct? Uh, was it uh, Was it hard to transfer uh, transition from the music business to the psycho business, <laughs> for lack of a better term? <laughs> No, I like how you put it. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Actually, I did it by the route of going to social work school to get my master's, and then I went back and got a few years later, I went back and got a four-year training certificate in psychoanalysis in New York City. Um, and so I, I, you know, so, but but what one of the, the criteria for getting into social work school, I think, you know, they really liked it if you were an artist or had some sort of art background. They felt like you could listen with the third year or, you know, just sort of get stuff in a way that wasn't always so, you know, you got stuff in an artistic way and you kind of felt stuff and channeled stuff in a, in a more natural, intuitive way. So I think there's a plus there. Um, that said, um, you know, was it a frustrating to not make it and my dreams in some ways in the business? I mean, I was sort of so happy to get out of there. I wasn't raised like by musicians or anybody that did this sort of thing in the family. I had a, a businessman father and, and um, you know, so it, it was sort of like a relief to not have to suddenly worry so much because we get to this level and then everybody would be pro and good. So they'd be going out on eight other gigs and having other situations. So to hold the band together, we had a good production deal. In fact, um, one of the guys, um, Michael Ruff, which was Ricky Lee Jones's piano player, 
um, was the piano player on the demo. And, um, and it was produced by Ed Cherney, who's the late Ed Cherney, who's a brilliant guy. He's one who recorded us for Fast Times, and he worked with Bonnie Raitt. He worked with a whole lot of – so we, we, were, we were heading in a good direction, um, and it was just hard to hold that all together and, and you know, lack of maturity. Um, so in a way, kind of making the transition over the course of four or five years and, you know, into my next life, was a, a blessing. I was happy to kind of find myself and ground myself. And, um, and I really liked what I did because, and I didn't really want to, I didn't, I had done a stint in the corporate world and I wasn't that thrilled in that world. I, I didn't, it didn't have the meaning that it had for me. Um, so finding myself in therapy and finding that I could make an adult business out of it as well was, um, you know, as a therapist and making an adult business out of it was actually a good, a good thing. Um, and it, it, it and it, you know, I, I still, play music i mean i just don't have to worry so much about making it i really just enjoy the making of the music and the expression of art you know uh david Rents, i guess you we got about uh, five minutes here because i i know it's late where he's at and he's got to get up early for a psych test or something but no, you did. uh uh, uh, so we can do this here, Dave. If our fans want to check you out and see you got a facebook instagram youtube a twitter a twitch a tiktok what do you got <laughs> well, um, right now, I think the best thing to do, if you wanted to, would be to go to Barnes Ivan H, um, and that B A R N E S I V A N H, and that's at YouTube, and that's my channel. And you have to really ferret through some of my family stuff, and some of the stuff that I just loosely put up there from time to time with my, you know, with my son, and we just joke around. And you have to find find the gems from the 1980s. Find the stuff from Fast Times. One is one. I'm going to put up two more because we have two other songs that I re- that we recorded. Only two got used in the movie, but we recorded three with them. One was Third World Man, which never got used, but it's a Billy Dan song. And and so there's some good stuff on that. On Facebook, it's more my personal account. Um, Instagram, I don't really use. Um, so I think that that will do it. I have a SoundCloud account, and um, I'm you know I'm sort of more private these days. I'm not. I'm, I know. I've, it sounds funny, but I'd much rather you guys look at my art and <laughs> see what I'm doing these days. I think I sent you a picture of, of one of my yeah. drawings in, in our recent thread. Yeah. Yeah, and and the good news but, um, is that uh, the good news is you are a private guy, but you gave me your phone number, so you won't be private much. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I can. I'm kidding. Probably, I'm, know, kidding. I'm, I'm not, kidding. No, I know. I know. I know. I know. They're funny. Um, that's okay. I'm ready. I welcome the world. It's, Come on, come on, bring him on. You probably have my phone number. Probably you know, like permanent first... block already. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. You guys are nice. You sound like a good crew. I'll be listening to your station and trying to and hear some more of what you do. I, 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 you know, it's only the third time anybody's ever interviewed me for about my experience at Fast Times and being with the director. And it really didn't happen until this last about a year ago. I got two different podcasts. So to me, it's like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I the reason like, why, really... David, is we yeah. know what why? we know what real talent is. Well, now you're talking, man. You know, I, I think let's 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 you know, I think let, let's allow say more on that. <laughs> Can you elaborate? Well, on that? I'll tell you what. We we know <laughs> what real talent is, and we know that if anybody could bring ratings to our show. It's, so that's why you're here. We Aww. appreciate it. We, we got we got about two minutes left. I just got to ask you one last question. Uh, when yeah. you decided to go back to college to get your degree in uh, psychoanalyst, how many times did you invite all your buddies back to your dorm to watch uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? <laughs> 
You know, I'll tell you something about that. Um, I'm so, I feel blessed because every time somebody sees it playing in a bar or, a, or their home or a hotel when they're on vacation, and they always take a picture of me, of our, of our band in that clip and send it to me wherever I am. So I am always shocked that it's still going and still on and still such a phenomena. In fact, you know, there's a guy that likes this, that really likes to buy artifacts and he, he's bought a number, he purchased a number of things uh, for, for me and he's collected the coolest things from Fast Times. Like, you know, I don't know what they call them, those cards that they put out for movies, but he's got the Japanese version of it. I mean, this thing really was a phenomenon that I had no idea and that it had such staying power. So I'm honored to be a part of that and honored to be on your show that you would think of me as somebody to be worthy of interviewing. Believe me. And think about and think about this. Uh, the icon made you a cool collector's card too for yourself. Yes, you did. I was that took that took some certain amount of private investigation, uh, you know, some serious uh, uh, sleuth work to get that those pictures because they were the oddest combination of things. And yet, yeah, they did all kind of cohere and have to do with fast times. I must say. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to confess one quick thing because I know you got to go. But uh, when I first saw the movie, right. uh, I actually, well, I'm not going to, I had to sneak to watch it. I had to stay at whatever. Anyway, nobody cares about that. But when I first saw <laughs> I your character, you know what I thought? I thought I thought you were Buddy Holly, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, that's a compliment. You know, I love Buddy Holly. He's definitely one of those people that, that uh, Matthias, I would have said, is, is honorable. By the way, um, you know, sh- I think you might, if you might, if you look hard enough, you'll see that there's a good deal of players in that, uh, actors and people in the movie that look a little like Buddy Holly or Elf Costello. And I, you'd have to say that Amy certainly liked that look, right? You know, Martin you know, Brass. And uh, just it. think about this. Uh, Buddy Holly, was, he, he, he was killed on his way here. Think about that. Oh, man. I, I, that's, that's a, you know, sends a little tear to my eye. My wife and I used to do that. It's all right, so I'm teamed up. It's all right, but people say that those foolish kids can't be ready for the love that I'm waiting. We're all right, we're all right. Oh, we live in love with all our might. That's awesome. All right, David, thank you for joining us. I know you got to get to bed, but thank you so much. And if you. Uh, if we haven't scared you way too much, we'd love to have you come back and again and join us. I would love to join. You made it fun, and you, 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 you eased my nerves about doing it again. You guys are all great. I look forward to being fans of yours, and, and thank you for having me on. Thanks, Thanks David. David. Have a good night, buddy. Thank you. All right. All right, y'all take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. All right, David Brand, ladies and gentlemen. So we just waiting for our first guest. You're going to be calling in on Skype. Hopefully we can get this uh, hooked up here. Uh, we will see, I guess. Uh, so anyway, uh, that was fun, huh, guys? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now uh, I'm sure, uh, Matthias, you have seen that movie, have you not? Uh, it's been quite a long time since I've seen that film. I remember the first time I actually saw it was on USA Up all night. Uh, looks like our, our next guest is waiting in the wings here. We got to take a quick little timeout. We'll be back after these messages from our next sponsor, and then we'll be back with a great interview. So with us, don't go away. 
so you're outside looking at that ticking time bomb of snow on your roof. A phone call to Elevated Concrete and Snow Removal will solve that problem. They can be reached at 701-866-9018 or at Elevated Concrete and Snow Removal on Facebook. Their concrete work includes driveways, sidewalks, walkways, approaches, garage floors, patios, and shed pads. Plus, they offer decorative or stamped concrete as well. And all estimates are free. Once winter is over, they are ready for any concrete project you have. Elevated Concrete and Snow Removal at 701-866-9018. And uh, thanks to Elevated uh, Snow Removal, you can see there's no snow left outside at uh, the studio here. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. She has got the best lips in the business and she is the most beautiful guest that we've had on this week ladies and gentlemen i give you a sonoma sharma hi 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 this is sonam you're listening to the attitude era live on monday 89.1 ken zeffin with your hosts the icon the big swing the godmother resting granny hulkster and modern might name matthias how are you well, how are you? Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you, and thank you for bringing your wonderful accent. That's going to uh, raise our ratings up at least another fifty points. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. That's all from all the traveling and and all from all working across the globe. You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of a lot of things to pick up on the way. Uh, so, uh, Sonoma Sharma is our guest here on 89.1 Kens FM, and we got uh, we got a good amount of time. we got 26 minutes. So let me ask you this. Where are you calling us from right now? Where around in the globe are you at right now? Right now I'm in the capital of India, which is New Delhi, New Delhi, India, and uh, this is where my family house is. This is where I'm based. I fly out of Delhi uh, and travel all across the globe, but this is where I'm ensconced in India. So that's New Delhi for you. And uh, we we have just proven now that there is a good cell signal in New Delhi, correct? It, there is, there is. It took me a while to figure it out, Scott, to be very honest, because I, I, I do have Skype and I do have other forms, of, but there's WhatsApp and all of that. But, you know, it, it took me a while to kind of figure it out, but it, it, it works. It works. It works beautifully. All right, well, we're going to talk to you about uh, some of the projects that you've done, and uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. We'll do a roundtable, then we'll uh, come back to me and I'll ask you a tougher question. But uh, you've uh, done uh, some great movies like uh, Bears, The Awakening, The Lost Ship, uh, Love is in the Hair. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious. Love is in the Hair. Uh, were, were you a hairdresser in that movie, or what? what's the deal with that film? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, no, so that's okay. So, so that there is an industry parallel to um, Hollywood and Bollywood, uh, which is where um, you know, which is where India is popular, um, and and it's called Nollywood, which is primarily uh, a Nigerian, a sort of a, an African um, industry, which turns out a lot of movies apparently across uh, the world every year. So more than more than Hollywood, less than Bollywood, as the second largest producer of films. Um, and and you'll be surprised because I had no idea. It was such a huge industry. It was humongous. So I got tasked while I was uh, in, in Delhi. And the, the movie is about um, a person who um, does a lot of spells using hair. So they do magic spells using the, the hair of of whoever, you know, their subject is. So that's why it's called Love is in the Hair because the hair was used 
to make somebody fall in love with someone <laughs> during the course of the film. And I happen to play that someone's younger sister. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's uh, in a nutshell what it, it's about. So it, it's something very cool and interesting. I had no idea that, uh, you know, there were, there were spells and magic spells across the world, which uh, had to do with hair. <laughs> so so it's, it's a funny, funny story. Very, very cool. Very um, interesting star cast from across the world. And um, uh, it did pretty well. Uh, Ms. Sharma is our guest here on 89.1 Kids FM. We've got about uh, 23 minutes. I'm going to ask a few questions, a few more questions. We've got to do a quick legal thing, and then uh, I'll uh, pass it to my co-host, and we'll come back to me. Now, one of the things that I'm kind of curious, and you actually uh, made um, an appearance in a, a show called Bakes. You were actually in three episodes. The show is still going on now. You know, I'm surprised that it's still going on as long as it has since they've only, uh, since they haven't asked you back. Why not? Um, you know, so, well, there's a movie being made on that as well. So it it doesn't really matter. I think the, the characters change with 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 the stories, uh, and I think I played a very interesting character. I played a, I played this cougar-like woman who obviously I is one of her tenants, and you know it was it was short-lived, but it it did make an impact. And I don't think there was any room um, for something like that in the. <clears throat> excuse me, in, in the second season. So, uh, but I always get called. I always get called for, for, their, for their get-togethers and for the cast, uh, you know, parties and all of that. So I think it's about the writing more than it's about the, the character per se. So, um, yeah, so I, I think there wasn't any room for someone like me in, in, the, in the upcoming seasons. So, so that's why I, I couldn't make a comeback. But I did do something else, um, uh, which was, again, very well acclaimed. It was a series on Amazon Prime, which is called Made in Heaven, um, which was with a lot of interesting, uh, again, a lot of important people here uh, locally. And, and that did really, really well as well. So, so yeah, so one thing goes, the other one comes in. So, yeah. So let me ask you this uh, before we uh, fire off our legal ID. Uh, what is, what is uh, tougher to do, uh, doing a project on the small screen or a project on the big screen? What do I like? Do you, are you asking that? Sorry? Well, which is, which is more difficult? Which is more difficult? Which is more difficult? Um I, I don't think it's got anything to do with the scale of the project, to be very honest. Uh, I think it's more, um, I think once you're very, very comfortable in your skin as an actor, I don't think anything is difficult, to be very fair. Um, <clears throat> and I think I'm one of those actors. I think I get really friendly on sets really quickly. I think people take a liking for me very quickly. I work across the world with people from all cultures, you know, all kinds of backgrounds. And so it, it, it makes a difference, uh, your, your personality and, and the way you are and your work ethics make a lot, a lot of difference uh, when you're on set. So I don't think I've found anything very challenging or difficult. Yes, I do like my space before, you know, the shot's being called. You know, you, you have to kind of get into the zone. You have to kind of channel the character and all of that. So I'd like to get into my space. Um, in my zone, and, and that's about it, really. I don't think anything's difficult or, or easy. I think it's up to the person who's performing and how they, how they, how they sort of 
um, you know, how they use their uh, sort of tactics on camera or on stage for that matter. Because I've, I've, been, um, I've been a theater artist for very long. I've been doing English theater in India and across uh, in the UK where I studied. Um, so I, I, I think I'm fairly comfortable with new energies and new people around me. And I, I think I take a, a good uh, stance when it comes to acting on set. So when it, 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 it just depends on how you are really as a person. Uh, we need to take a quick little break. We'll be right back after these uh, short words. Stay with us. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZFM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. All right. And uh, I'm going to introduce you now uh, uh, to our uh to my next co-host, uh, and it's Granny Hulkster, and I'm sure she's got a few questions for you, Miss Sharma. So, uh, Granny, what do you got? Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on with Hi. us tonight. Likewise. Um, gosh, I'm I'm just trying to think of a really good question that I can ask that I can that Icon already hasn't touched on. Um, Matthias, why don't you go first, and I'll try to think of a really good question to ask our guest. All right, well, Ms. Sharma, I'm going to introduce you to uh, uh, the modern nightmare Matthias. Now, one thing that he did uh, tell me uh, when, uh, he was, uh, when he saw your picture, he was wondering if you needed a bodyguard. So I'm going to introduce him, and uh, maybe uh, <laughs> you'd, be, uh, you'd be willing to have him become head of your security. So. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed APW World Heavyweight Champion and soon-to-be EWI Epic and BZW World Tag Team Champion and honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias. Welcome on to my part of the program. As you can see, he has no ego. Of course not. Um... Absolutely not. <laughs> so one of my main questions for you would be, so it's kind of going into what I talked about with our previous guests. So when people do interviews or they ask people questions in general, uh, one of their main questions would be like, who is your hero? Uh, some will say their father. Some will say a specific celebrity that they kind of idolize going out throughout their life. Who would you say is your hero and someone that influenced you to get into the acting business and, and stuff like that, that kind of influenced you to be who you are today. Uh, this may sound very, very weird, but I'll tell you who that is. That's myself. Um, and, and I'm very clear on that because I think um, however far I've come in life and whatever life has thrown at my face, you know, um, whatever curveballs have encountered on my on my journey thus far I think I see myself as a very powerful very strong very uh, sorted person and and I think that um, I don't really need anybody to anchor on I think I, I believe in myself enough to uh, to feel like I, I walk with multiple personalities and I feel like I could you know I could just tune into one of them and then like okay sort of way to go babe yeah let's do this so i i think i channeled that sort of inner being inside of me as opposed to anybody outside externally 
Um, and if somebody has to come close externally, that would um, I draw a lot of strength uh, from my family. Uh, and I think uh, that's about it. But that's just a source of strength. But I think when you say who's your hero, I think that is myself. Okay, cool. Now, one thing I'd like to ask you, Sharma, before, uh, and Granny, just let me know when you when you have a question here. Uh, okay. Now, when you're when you're doing uh, all the different projects that you do, uh, is there uh, is there one thing that uh, you prefer doing other? Because you know you're an actress. You know you do also do writing. Uh, do you prefer being in front of the camera, behind the camera, or do you prefer writing stuff for people to do in front of the camera? You know what? I, I, I like both equally. So I, I recently I got involved in a lot of production work. So I like working from behind the scenes as well. So I love looking at characters and I love looking at people and I, and I want to cast them immediately. So I know exactly. So, for example, if I meet you, I know exactly, okay, this, this person, I think this person suits this role. Okay, I'm going to write a role for him. So I like, that. I like doing that too. I like um, writing for people. But when it comes to acting, that's obviously my first love. Um, Unless uh, I, I was exposed to the world of cameras, unless I was exposed to the world of acting the stage, the people, the crew, the cast, I, I didn't know what even writing was. So it's only when you start working in the industry, you start meeting people, you start knowing them, you start sort of understanding the nuances of, of the craft. And that's when you realize, um, you know, the, the various things that you're kind of interested in. And writing happens to be one of them. So I think I enjoy both equally. Uh, it just it just happens to be that writing is just taken um, a back burner off late, and I, I enjoy acting uh, at the moment. But it it happens sporadically. So whenever I can write, I write. But I still keep doing that, you know. So I I, I keep writing whenever I get the time. Uh, acting is obviously more real time. So I have to be on my toes. I have to be on the beck and call of my directors, my producers, my co-actors, etc. So so both, yeah. So how many uh, different uh, projects uh, do you have uh, in the works right now that uh, you're either writing or ready to produce? Um, uh, for writing, uh, well, writing, like I, like I said, it's kind of taken a back burn. Uh, it's on the back burn at the moment. But uh, production-wise, I have a couple of projects which uh, will, again, they're global projects. They're going to happen all across the world. I'll be traveling to, um, to a couple of places for that, for acting. I've got quite a few lined up in the in the U.S. actually, so I've got a couple of projects uh, where I'll need to uh, travel to to America to to shoot uh, with with my colleagues, and um, obviously I'll be traveling to parts of other parts of India as well. Um, there'll be some travel happening to Europe, uh, to the Middle East. So there's, there's a whole range of um, uh, you know uh, films and uh, projects in in the works um, that will get me going places and I think that's what I enjoy about acting a lot as well because I get to travel and I get to meet people like yourself and you know do interviews with people like yourself so so yeah so so that's uh, there's a lot that's going to unfold in the next one year well with that being said you know if you need uh, if you need extras or someone that would uh, like me I mean you'd have to pay granny and the the nightmare, but if you're looking for someone to come and carry your bag and get your cappuccino and stuff I'd love to come work on set with you I gotcha. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think I'll just invite you guys to the set anyway. I'll be like, okay, come on, let's do a show from here. <laughs> Why not? Hey, would you be down for that, Matthias? Go check out the set. Like I said, any opportunities that arise, you got to take them. Granny, how about you? That would be awesome. 
All right. Yeah, you, we can go you, live from there. We'll lots of stuff to sure. to cover. <laughs> have Have you uh, figured out? Got a question yet, Granny, or no? Well, I was just I was thinking, you know, what kind of challenges have you had, like, in everything that you've done? I mean, has there ever been a moment or a time where something has been a real huge challenge for you to do or to try to do or? And you can't say the show because that would be too easy. Uh, no, that's actually a very good question. I mean, there have been um, there have been challenges, of course, uh, but I'll tell you what. Um, and more than a challenge, I think it's a it's a deep seated fear. You know, sometimes uh, what happens as an actor, especially as an artist of any kind, you know, any performing performing artist, for example, even um, even if you're, for example, doing a show like this, you know, it, it just it's, it's a fear that that sort of. Uh, stays with me sometimes and that is you know when you are traveling and when you're working with a, a new bunch of people all the time and you know it, it keeps shuffling and you know you're meeting new people it just happens that during the course of the project you develop such friendships and you develop such sort of um, you know um, great sort of associations with people and then when when the project is about, is about to end you have to leave and and you don't know if you're coming back to that project again. So what that kind of leaves you in a little bit of a FOMO, uh, you know. Whether so, I think as actors and artists, we all have this insecurity whether we will continue to get work and whether it'll stay, um, or we'll have to move on to greener pastures elsewhere. So I think that is a recurring theme with with everybody who's an artist. So I think we have to keep hustling. We have to keep doing things and you have to keep at it um but more than that I, a, a challenge i that i can think from the top of my head is um obviously being uh, and and that is to answer your question as well scott because um for bigger productions sometimes you do give in your best performance and sometimes and i'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm emphasizing the word sometimes is because it's not always the case but sometimes what happens is um, the star cast or the lead actors or people who are, you know, obviously more important um, than you are whilst you're just an actor and doing your bit. But they're obviously celebrities and they're obviously bigger people um, in, in, in the industry. So what happens is sometimes you do get sidelined and that happens on the post, um, on the editing table, and you have to be okay with that. So it's it's just how the industry works. So once you prove your mettle, once you prove that, yes, you are a good actor, yes, you're solid, that's when people, you know, take notice and that's when people start giving you work and, and projects. But you can't throw your weight around like a celebrity, obviously. And, and once you, if you do that, because I've seen people really crash and burn, uh, you know, because of, of the attitude that they carry, which is obviously um, not the right thing to do. So obviously that is something that one has to be careful with um, and just be humble. And I think that that kind of works. That really does take you places. That's awesome. I love the accent, by the way. You have an amazing accent. I just absolutely love that accent. Oh yeah, thank you. We're all in love with your accent, but we we love we love we love your accent. But we love you more. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, we have Sonoma Sharma as our guest here. We have about nine minutes here left with uh, Miss Sharma. So let me ask you a few other questions here. You got uh, some projects right now that's in pre-production. 
uh, Bear's Awakening and Place of Desire. Uh, is that because uh, we get all our information from IMDb.com? Is that correct or is that inaccurate? No, that's correct. So the Palace of Desires already uh, has been fulfilled, obviously. That, uh, that happened a couple of years ago. Yes, it's in the rework. So that was made by a bunch of students from um, Tisch University in New York. Uh, they flew all the way to India. They, they, they looked and scouted for places here in, in the hills. We went to the mountains. And, and yes, it was a lovely, surreal horror that was shot up in the mountains here in India. And, and I think everybody who was involved in part of the project was extremely thrilled because they, they were so thrilled to be in a country like India and not knowing... It's so adventurous to be here. You don't know what you encounter in the next 100 kilometers, right? So being in the mountains and, you know, and seeing all of these spooky little places and then meeting all of these strange little people who speak with different accents, different, you know, the language changes, the accent changes, the, 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 the dress code changes, everything changes every 50 uh, miles here. So, so it was amazing to have them over here. We, we, sh- we shot the film. It, it was showcased at really prominent festivals across the world, uh, film festivals. It received, it, was, it did well. I mean, from what I know, it, it did pretty well. The Bears, and, uh, Bears Awakening is still in the works. It's in pre-production. We are going to be um, uh, relocating to Turkey uh, for a couple of months for that project. Um, obviously, a part of it is being shot in the U.S. as well. So, so the, the, the travel is going to be extensive with that one. Then there are a couple of other projects. So IMDb, obviously, is one source of information. Then there's another website called Slated, uh, and you'll see uh, me on Slated as well. I think that's quite popular out there. Um, and we have a couple of interesting projects coming up there uh, that you'll see. That's the updated list and, um, and very interesting ones uh, that uh, will obviously I'll get to travel again. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but I know with the writers' strike, there is um, the, the guild strike. You know, the, the, everything's kind of on a halt right now when it comes to uh, you know the process of. Uh, production and pre-production so i'm waiting for that too i'm waiting for the dust to settle and then we'll, we'll see how uh, we'll cross the bridge when we get there well you know i'll tell you what uh actually uh i'm actually ashamed to admit this from what i learned from uh, about india i actually saw I, I learned from a james ma uh james bond movie i can't say the whole thing but mm. octo blank and uh probably one of the the more famous individuals uh, next to you from India uh, was in that movie, B.J. Armitage, and a uh, famous tennis player. I'm sure you're familiar with him being from India. Yes. Yes. I mean, they all, well, that's one. because he, he was thrown into the limelight because of the film, but um, there are many more people. There are plenty more people that I'm sure you're aware of and you must have seen on, on television or on, on um, read about in books. Uh, who come from India and um, uh, very, um, I mean, I, I don't know how um, how much of um, the, the, the self-development uh, side of things you probably listen or expose are exposed to because not many people are uh, very fond of that. But Osho, for example, was, was from here and then Sadhguru, you know, all of these people, they've, they've just risen to popularity 
um, not in India, but internationally. Modipak Chopra, for example, he's, they're all based, um, they're all in, in New York or Chicago or some parts of uh, the U.S. now, and then they're huge. They're, they're a rage when it comes to um, spiritual things, you know. And, and India is a land of spirituality. It's a land of everything sort of... Um, uh, getting to know oneself, you know, yoga, you know, all of that. So Ayurveda, you know, medicine, all of that. So so anything who's obviously sports, uh, some some aspect of it. <laughs> Not that we're 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 the best, but you know, cricket is huge here, for example. Tennis is somewhat. Um, we follow football, but we we don't play it. So it's it's, it's really a very interesting. It's a, it's a melting pot of cultures now. Like I would say, I mean, there's nothing really. Uh, very Indian uh, left. It's all sort of mixed, and it's it's beautiful to see that because it's you know it's different different you know different strokes for different folks. So it, it caters to everybody. So I, I think I should invite you guys over sometime. I think you guys must visit, and we'll take you to places here that um, that you might enjoy covering. I think that'll be great. Uh, uh, Sonoma Sharma is our guest here at, on 89.1 Kent FM. we got about uh, three minutes here left with uh, with uh, Sonoma. And for those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, like that. You go to 89.1 Kent FM page, like that. Do a $10 a month donation to Power of the Tower. We'll get you qualified to win an autographed picture from a past guest, current guest, or future guest. Uh, would you be willing to send us a few for giveaways? Sorry, so again, I just lost you there for a second. Yeah, would you be willing to send a few autographs for giveaways for our fans? I, I will, I will, I will for sure, for sure. That's uh, on, on its way, and it will be with you, um, and and you you will let me know uh, who gets it. Uh, you uh, have one, sure. obviously. And then... Right, and then what I'll do is on, on Facebook message, I'll go ahead and send you the address of where to send that to. Uh, so we we only got a few minutes left here. Uh, so uh, if our fans want to check out seeds, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? Uh, we unfortunately not allowed to use TikTok here in India, but for some reason. But we I've got Twitter. I've got I've got I've got um, Instagram. Instagram is where I'm kind of slightly more popular. I feel uh, my handle is Zafara. It's, that's my stage name as well. Uh, I get cast as a Middle Eastern woman lots of that's why it's called Zafara. Z A W-F-A-R-A-H, so that's, uh, um, and, and Facebook, of course, Facebook, Twitter, um, <coughs> everywhere else, LinkedIn, all of that. All right, well, I'll tell you what, uh, we only got we only got two minutes here left with you. I wish it were two more years, but I just want to let you know that you have been awesome, and I want to thank you uh, for joining us on short notice. I believe I, uh, I, I booked you about three weeks ago. Uh, we're not that anybody cares, but we are booked for, for guests until the end of 2024 here. But uh, one of the guests that we had had to uh, cancel because of a family emergency, but I do appreciate you coming on and uh, joining us. And uh, if we haven't scared you way too, uh, too much, we'd like to have you join us again and bring your lovely accent back I, with you. I would love that. It was my pleasure to be part of the show and to talk to all of you. And, um, yeah, I really look forward to being on the show again. So. For sure, anytime you want. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the next time you're back in the States, uh, text me on uh, Facebook Messenger. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll have you co-host with us next time you're back in the States. Absolutely. I, I, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> that one, yes, right there. <laughs> awesome. All right, thank you so uh, Sonoma. You are awesome, and we appreciate it. We love you very much, and uh, thank you for being with us, and thank you, Tom, on your schedule to be with us. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Have a great night to you all. Lovely talking uh, to you. All right. Uh, Sonoma Sharma, ladies and gentlemen, what a great accent. Uh, now, Matthias, I know that you were loving that accent. I know you were. Well, you know, accents are definitely something that a lot of people around the world find attractive. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's overall, it's always nice to have somebody talk to somebody with an accent. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Our next guest is waiting. We need to take a quick little timeout. We'll be back after these messages. Stick with us for a great twist, if you know what I mean. So stick with us. Ladies and gentlemen, the new clocks are here. The new clocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website, www.kensfm.com, and under the More Merch tab, you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order. Get yours now while supplies last. We have these in limited quantity, so order now at www.kensfm.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to twist and shout, ladies and gentlemen, because our next guest is a star, a lovely, beautiful actress, and she is joining us right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Deborah Twist. Hey, this is Deborah Twist. You're listening to the Attitude Error Monday Live on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, the godmother of wrestling granny Hulkster, and the modern nightmare Matthias. Well, hey, Deborah, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then we'll do a roundtable, then we'll come back to me, and I'll ask you the tougher questions. But before we do that, we'd like you to give us a, a little behind-the-scenes uh, glimpse into you, and then we'll uh, have some fun with the interview. Go ahead. A little behind-the-scenes? Yeah, a little, a little bit about yourself, a little background. Oh, um, I have been a filmmaker and an actress since the 90s. I moved all over the United States uh, with my parents when I was little. My dad was a software developer, and we lived in California, Minnesota, Alabama, New Jersey, everywhere. Um, I came to New York then out of high school to go to NYU, studied acting, and then very quickly also got involved in producing theater and... I left NYU because you're not allowed to act while you're in the theater program, and I was getting acting work. And then I was also working in a restaurant. And uh, when you work as a waitress in New York City in a restaurant, they don't like it when you book acting work. So I got fired from a waitressing job in the summer of 91, didn't know what I was going to do next, and then realized that maybe working in a strip club for a year could help get me on my feet and give me the freedom I needed. But that one year turned into 10 years as I <laughs> used the money to um, make indie films and support myself and go all over the world to the film festival circuit. And then I left, got married, had two kids, and began doing a lot of my own directing as well as producing and writing and acting. And here and, I am uh, 
And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, this is your time, and I'll talk to you about this uh, a little bit. But uh, you also have a, uh, some children that are uh, famous actors and actresses as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Deborah Twist is our guest. Now, of course, one of, uh, one of your most famous roles uh, that I loved you in, uh, and we, of course, uh, because it's P- PG language here, we can't really say the full title, but uh, it was in 2010 uh, called Kick Butt. Uh, and everybody that knows what I'm talking about is, actually knows the actual title of it. But that had to have been an awesome, uh, an awesome uh, film to add to your resume. Uh, looks like uh, she dropped off. Uh, oh, she's back. I was going to say, I, 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 I hope not. I hope not. Given the full, the abbreviated uh, title, wasn't going to get you upset or anything. <laughs> I, I but, completely. Uh, I, I lost you. It went. It went quiet. I've been having crazy problems with my phone all night. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm, I don't know sunspot. <laughs> I mean, really. Well, no, it's. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of uh, my relatives that uh, wish that I would go quiet, but that's a story for another time. But anyway, I was talking about the movie uh, Kick Butt. Uh, of course, we can't say the full title. Kick but uh, Yeah, oh, right. Well, we can't, we, yeah, we can't say that. But anyway, uh, that had to have been a great film to add to your resume, being in that film. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And it was so fun to do. And, and I mean, I love the finished product. I love that movie. It was so and, fun uh, and... How come you wanted the sequel? It's a different. It was a different director. Uh, the original director is Matthew Vaughn, and he's from England. And um, one of the reasons I live in New York and mostly work in New York is because I'm not the typical LA type. <laughs> and so, you know, I appeal to Europeans and New Yorkers. I'm not quite the flavor for some, um, you know, LA-based directors. So they use somebody, somebody else. Well, that that that's that's why we're gonna we're gonna all boycott the film now. We're gonna re, we're gonna return all our copies to the store, and we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> take them all back because you weren't part two. Uh, Deborah Twister, I guess you're on eighty nine point one Kids FM, and we got a lot of time here with uh, Deborah. We got about thirty four minutes. So now, Deborah, you have been in a lot of other stuff too, and we're gonna talk about uh, some of your other projects. Like, for instance, you're on uh, As the World Turns, one of Granny's favorites. I know that she's going to ask you about that. Uh, you're in Law and Order Special Victims Unit, uh, The Fringe, White Collar. Uh, you were in a couple uh, Law and Order different episodes. But uh, what is your favorite thing to do? Would you say it's the big screen or the small screen? Uh I I love them both. I don't really have a favorite. It's kind of like. If you have kids or animals trying to say which one is your favorite, you love something about each one. Do you know what I mean? And right. So, like, um, it's always fun to work on a movie because you get so immersed in it and it, it becomes such a family where, you know, if you do TV, it's fun, but it's really fast. You're in, you're out, you know, it's just bop, 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 bop. And um, so that's, that's fun and the money is really good. But... Yeah, both of them are interesting in their own way. It's really, it's a very fascinating thing. And then there's also the difference now between, like, you know, the independent films and the studio films and that kind of thing. And I I have to tell you, I'm very, very much enjoying, like, 
lots of really fun independent films with some really great directors that I work with and things like that. It's just there's so much more because most of them don't have union crews. Um, there's many people doing many jobs. And so it's much more of a collaborative kind of feeling on set. Um, so it, it, it just feels more fun and engaging in that respect. It's very interesting. Deborah Twister, I guess, we're going to one Ken's FM. we got 32 minutes here with Deborah. Now, I'm going to introduce you to uh, my first co-host, Miss Granny Hulkster, and I know that she loves watching you on, she loved watching you on As the World Turns, because she's a, not only is she a granny, and not only is she a firecracker when she's a ringside at a wrestling event, but she also loves her soap. So, Granny, what do you got? Go ahead. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to the show. And, yes, I, I used to watch As the World Turns, as a matter of fact. I mean, it's no longer on, of course, but, yes, I was one of the soap operas I watched back in the day, and, I remember as the world turns, but I also like the Law and Order TV episodes as well. I mean, I I like that show as well. So, I guess my question to you is, you know, Icon kind of touched on kind of what I wanted to ask, but that's okay. Um, what were some of the challenges you had facing, either you know, when it came to acting or producing or what were some of your hardest challenges or most difficult challenges you had to deal with in your career? Um, I think one of the most challenging aspects, which is something that I've been told by other directors never changes, <clears throat> is it's always hard to get the money. And whether you're trying to raise $10,000 or $10 million or $100 million, it's always hard to get the money. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, who you know, what people have promised, what it that's the thing. That's the biggest challenge. And the funny thing is, like back in the nineties, I didn't even realize this at the time. It was like, you know, when the seeds of the hashtag Me Too movement were being planted, <laughs> there was this guy that I was supposed to go and meet, um, to have dinner with to talk about uh putting one million dollars up through his investment company, uh to fund this movie that my partner and I at the time were making called The Dream Killers. And um, I showed up at the guy's apartment, rang his doorbell, and he says, I'm I'm not ready. Uh, Why don't you come on up and you can wait? I'm like, okay, fine. So I go up to Penthouse apartment, and the guy opens the door, and all he has on is a towel. And I'm like, oh, God. And he's like, why don't you come on in and just sit down and, you know, I'll get ready. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I go in and I sit very demurely on the sofa in the living room. He's like, wait, I want to show you something. Look, have you ever seen the biggest TV in the world? And it was like 1997, 1998. And, you know, it was like one of the first plasma screens was from Sony. So it was probably like $20,000. So he brings me into his bedroom, and he make, he, I sit down on the edge of the bed. This TV is probably five feet wide. And he sits down next to me, and he turns on the TV, and he's like, you know, we could just stay in. And I immediately stand up, and I'm like, you know what? I feel really uncomfortable. You get dressed. I'm going to wait for you downstairs, and we can talk about my movie. And I walked out. And throughout the whole dinner, he kept trying to touch my hand and this and that. And he didn't want to talk about the movie. He kept trying. He was like, well, why don't we talk about us? 
So I made that evening and as quickly as I could, and I said, look, why don't we tomorrow touch base? We'll talk about the film. You know, I'll show you the whole thing, the doc and everything else. Never heard from the guy again. Then flash forward to, like, when I hear all the stories about, you know, these women who got, you know, into a hotel room and this happened, but then they did get the role or they did get the financing, and now they feel really bad. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's what I was supposed to do? <laughs> so my, uh, you know, I guess the challenge is the fact that money is always hard to get. And also I've never um, kind of uh, cheated on myself with my, my morals, my ethics. Um, and that has been a very interesting thing. But I didn't realize that to do something with these people, <laughs> I thought I was doing the right thing to just, and I am, I had, I did the right thing for myself. But it's a very interesting life and, you know, it's a challenge for sure. But luckily now, like, people are so much cooler because of all the Weinstein stuff that was revealed. So, you know, you don't really see that happening as much. Uh, Deborah Twister, I guess you're on 89.1 Ken's FM, and we have, uh, well, we got about 28 minutes here. Now, I want to introduce you to the modern nightmare Matthias. Now, if he would have been with you uh, when you went to uh, that interview, he could have uh, probably protected you, and he probably would have beat up the guy. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, Nightmare, <laughs> what do you got uh, for our guest here? Uh, go ahead. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed APW World Heavyweight Champion and soon-to-be EWI Epic and AP or and BZW World Tag Team Champion and honorary member of the NWO, Matthias. Welcome on to my part of the program. Uh, my main question for you would be, as of right now, if you could go back in time to before you even started all this and your future was kind of laid out in front of you and they said you only had one choice, you could either stay in front of the camera and do acting or you could stay behind the scenes and uh, direct, produce, work the set, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera, which one would you choose and why? Oh. I, I couldn't choose. I wouldn't be able to choose. I'd have to, I'd have to clone myself, and each self would have to follow each path. I, I mean, they're so, these things are so intertwined within me at this point that I can't even conceive of who I would be without both. I mean, they're, they're just such, um, I mean, I love filmmaking and acting and everything to such an extent. If I had to deny one part of it, then that would be a whole piece of my soul that wouldn't have some sort of outlet for expression. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so then which role do you find being more challenging? Do you find the producing and directing more challenging than acting or do you see uh acting more different or harder than uh directing or producing oh directing and producing is like 
going to frickin' war. <laughs> Acting is like being on vacation, <laughs> honestly. I mean, you know, if, especially when I'm acting in somebody else's project, you know, I just, I show up and it is literally just make, like playing pretend, having fun, putting on the skin of a different character, you know, just slipping into an alternate reality. It's like, it literally is a vacation. But making a movie, everything is different. The stakes are higher. It's like, you know, the numbers matter so critically about, you know, how well a film does on the first day and, and you know, the international sales and everything else where, you know, if I show up and act, it's like, ah, whatever. I go, I enjoy myself, and I leave. Um, the producing and directing is just, it's like creating a child. Like, even once it leaves home, I'm still concerned. You know, it's going to be my child forever. Like, it'll be out there in distribution for 10 years, and I'll still be like, ooh, I wonder how it's doing, and I wonder if it's bootlegged, and, you know, I hope people are, like, still talking about it well, and it's very it's very different. It's really funny and interesting. But, yeah, acting is way more easy than, than the the crew side by far. Fair enough. Now, uh, Deborah, let's uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about this here. Deborah Twister, our guest here. We got on eighty nine point one Kent FM. We got about uh, twenty four minutes here with Deborah. Now, you uh, your children, uh, if I'm not mistaken, are in the uh, acting business too, are they not? They stopped in twenty thirteen after we made the movie Sebastian. Um, we moved. We had recently moved from Brooklyn out to New Jersey. And in New Jersey, the town that we were in, um, the kids just wanted a chance to kind of explore a different part of their personality, side the acting thing for a while, and focus on things that were a little bit more aligned with the town we were in. So they got heavily into gymnastics and lacrosse and football, that kind of stuff. And they, they had a great time with it, too. And it was good for them to be able to, you know, explore these other aspects of their personality. The reason why I was going to ask you is because I believe uh, you didn't you direct uh, uh, some of the movies that they were in. Yep, absolutely. Because I was going to say, if they don't want to be in any movies that you direct, uh, I would definitely like to. Uh, uh, I'm up for adoption. I'd like to come work for you. <laughs> Thank you. No, it wasn't about working with their mommy. It was just uh, they just wanted to, and it was it wasn't my idea that they should be actors. They would come with me to auditions when they were really little. And then they just wanted to be able to try it on their own. And I set them up with an appointment with an agent, thinking, you know, the agent would tell them they're too young and come back when they were older. But they aced their interview, and they started booking work. And so, you know, they had a good eight, ten-year run when we were living in the city. And, you know, I was actually very lucky that they decided to stop when we moved to Jersey because it was far more difficult to get to auditions and everything. And the school didn't understand the same way schools in Brooklyn understood, you know, kids tapping out early for an audition. And, uh, you know, actually one of the films that you did, uh, that you wrote and directed, uh, A Cry From Within, that won some awards, didn't it? I don't remember, actually. Well, I'll tell you what, we have a great producer here, uh, uh, a cry from within. Uh, a cry from within in 2015 was the winner of best screenplay. 
and it was also nominated for Best Film in 2015 at the uh, uh, Porto, uh Film Festival. Right. Oh, for, totally forgot. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That that is awesome. And I, what what, is, what was your favorite uh, project that uh, you worked on, uh, whether it be uh, one that you wrote or one that uh, you acted in or one that you directed? Um, actually, my favorite project so far is one that's coming out next week. It's called Sapiosexual. Yep, it's called Sapiosexual, and it's out by Breaking Glass Pictures. Um, I can I can text you guys the um, the trailer, and it's really it, it was probably one of the best experiences I had making a film. It's thriller about uh, narcissism and an insane weekend that these three people spend uh, where the truth is actually revealed and everything is spun around. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty good. I love it. And it turned out great. And yeah, that's coming out next week. And it was just such a fun movie because we did it Dogma 95 style. Do you remember Dogma 95? Yes. Yeah. So you know, it was done digital. Um, we used as much natural light as possible. We didn't use any, you know, movie night, movie lights or anything like that. Um, we we shot the entire thing in five days. And many of the days we shot maybe 20 pages a day because we had two and three cameras set up. And, you know, we had a script, of course, but we would also do improvisation and it was really, it was really exciting. It was almost like shooting uh, a play in a house, and uh, it it turned out great. Like I'm really thrilled. I think it's whatever my most recent film is is my favorite because you know as a filmmaker and an artist, hopefully I grow every time. Hopefully I learn new lessons and I you know keep moving forward. And this one, you know, with this one, I I did some great things that I'm very proud of. So, you know, what's what's interesting about that, I I just can't wrap my head around this. I mean, usually you hear production on movies like like shooting like four or five months. You did five days. How how is that possible? We knew exactly what we were going to shoot. The actors were massively prepared. Um, It was in one primary location and then three secondary locations. So it's it's all about planning. And and also, you know, when you're shooting digital, you don't and you are using a lot of natural light. Um you don't have a lot of time between setups. So, you know, the thing that takes a lot of big movies a lot of time is the fact that, you know, in between moving the camera from, you know, one character to another, takes an hour to relight and everybody, you know, has downtime and all this other stuff because we were shooting cross coverage. Like, you know, the whole scene was being shot with both being covered at the same time plus wide shot. So, you know, it was all being done so quickly. And then there'd only be maybe 15 minutes between setups to the next scene. So we were just able to crank through and we were doing, it wasn't crazy hours either. These were 10 hour days. So, you know, we were averaging two pages an hour, which is completely doable if you think of how long 
you know, a page is a minute. So to shoot two minutes an hour, you know, when you break it down like that, it really isn't that difficult. Now, do you prefer a schedule like that that's uh, just boom, 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 or would you prefer to be on the set for a longer period of time? Well, I like doing it. I'd like more than five days, maybe eight or ten would be nice. But, you know, only if you're doing something that is so massive with a lot of money. You know, what are the things you can have? Um, It's time, uh, what is it, time, quality, and something else. But there's like three things that are critical in order to make something work. And, you know, if you have a lot of time, you're going to need a lot of money. And, you know, it'll look good, but, you know, people will get tired out. They'll get worn out. And it's going to cost you a ton. Where, you know, if you're shooting it more organized, you know, you're not going to have, you're not going to have 10 takes that you can get. You know, you get two takes, three takes for a scene, and you're out of there. You've got to. And it's, it's just a really, it's an interesting challenge almost. I mean, it takes, it takes a lot of energy, but it's really exciting to be able to create something that fast because also as an actor, you can really stay in the head of what you're doing. You know, if something's spread out over a lot of time, you can savor it a lot, but you know, most of that time is spent for the technical aspects. And, you know, I'm, I came from an acting background much more than a technical background. So maybe if I had gone to school for cinematography, there's no way I would shoot something this fast, but I didn't. So, you know, I hire people that know what they're doing and just tell them what I want to do, and they're up to the challenge. But, you uh, know, there, the crew gets tired too. Not not everybody wants to do films this way. It's it's hard. It's very hard. Uh, Deborah Twister, I guess, here on 89.1 Kansas FM. we got about 15 minutes here left with uh, Deborah <clears throat> before our uh, theme song hits. But, uh, as we're looking at uh, your status here on uh, IMDb, uh, that's where we get most of our information from. It says that you got uh, uh, four films here in post-production. Uh, correct me if this is inaccurate. Uh, Arthur Division, uh, Fragmented, Fifteenth for the Angels, and uh, When We First Met. Uh, are those all current in, in pre-production and post-production, or uh, are, have they been put aside for a while? Uh, no, they're all in the works. So, uh, what, what, uh, which will be the longest? Per- well, let me ask you this, because you just talked about uh, a, a five-day shoot. So, of these, what I just uh, named, which will be the longest shooting uh, schedule, and which will be the shortest, or will it be the same? Uh, I think Art of Diversion is probably the one that had the longest shooting schedule. I think that was about four weeks, and that was by m- uh, my friend uh, Gabrielle Altabelli, Italian director. Fabulous director. He's just amazing. I think this is our third or fourth project together. Um, yeah, he he did it, and he's great. And that film is almost done. He just came to um, New York to do his color correction, and then he just went back to Rome to finish working on the sound mix and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you can let him know if uh, on his next project that you guys do together, if you... Uh, need a couple egomaniacs to come fill the bill and a, uh, a wholesome individual like Granny and two um, two egomaniacs like me and Matthias, we'd love to come work for you. Oh, cool. Thank you. 
That's awesome. Uh, we have uh, Deborah Twister, I guess, here. we got uh, we got about uh, 13 minutes here left with Deborah. Now, another project I want to ask you about, it says that it's completed. Uh, it's, is it the on, uh, Onania Club? Is that correct? Yes, and that was a very, very interesting, controversial film by uh, Tom Fix. Do you know the movie The Human Centipede? Yes. Yeah, it was the same director. And... Uh, when, when is that uh, due to uh, be released, or is it out already? Um, I don't know. It, he's been having a hard time getting someone to pick it up because it is so out there, like so edgy. Um, it's actually about these women who get aroused by the misery of others. Wow. <laughs> well, that uh, yeah, that that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's got a lot of edge, <laughs> and you know it's not necessarily um, something that people feel very comfortable, um, you know, having out, which is crazy because you know I I think it turned out fantastic, and you know I loved working on it. I had a great time. How long were you really for that one? Uh, three weeks. I was in LA. Now, let me ask you this. What is the longest, uh, I'm guessing the shortest you've been uh, on set of Spy Days. What's the longest you've been on set? Um, I'd say about six weeks for my movie, A Gun for Jennifer. And you, um, you know, we, we mentioned that, uh, you know, you've been on, uh, you've been on uh, several TV shows and you've been on a lot of uh, big movies. When you, uh, when you're, uh, I've always always been curious when you're uh, doing a, uh, a a a TV uh, show filming. Uh, how how far in advance do you film the the episode before it comes out on TV? With TV like Law and Order, it's probably about six weeks, I'd say. So now, with you're, movie, yeah, you're, you you got to only be on. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, so now you only got you you're only on the set for a short amount of time because it's a weekly series, right? Yeah, when it's a series it's maybe like, you know, a day, three days. Unless you're a lead and then it's five days or so. And then when when you're filming it, do they say, Okay, so we're filming this, we need to have it done by this day because it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be on T V on this day, uh, or do you not do they not really tell you when it's gonna be put out? Yeah, they let you know. I mean, it's all planned out. When when it's a network show, you know, everything is um very strategic. They have they have their schedules down so well. I mean, it's it's amazing, really. So the the myth of uh, them uh filming an episode in in a week is not really correct. You you mentioned it, it it's like 6 weeks in advance. Oh, yeah, they do it for six weeks in advance, but it's only for seven days to shoot an episode. And what what is you, what was your favorite part about uh, being on, um, being in, like, the Law and Order and the Fringe, White Collar as the world turns? Uh, do you prefer doing, uh, like, the dramas like Law and Order, or do you, like, prefer, uh, like, doing the soap operas, like, as the world turns, or do you not really have a preference? I love doing uh, episodic drama. I love, like, the Law and Orders were fantastic. Totally thrilled with them. Um, it was the, the set is amazing. 
I mean, they're just like, they just run like a machine. It's so incredible. It's really amazing. And to be on set and watch the way these people are working, it's really inspiring. And when you're uh, when you're on the when you're on the sets and uh, you're you're on the show, uh, do you get to? Uh, is there a lot of time to interact with the cast, or is you just basically come in, do your part, and then you're gone? It depends on the set. I mean, on on Law and Order, I spent a lot of time with Mariska Hargitay because we were getting um, our hair and makeup done in the same trailer next to each other. So we got to spend about two hours just chatting and everything. And that was pretty cool. I mean, it's fun, and yeah, it's a good time. I, I definitely, I definitely got to ask this: what, when you're doing makeup and everything, what is the longest that you've had to be in makeup? Uh, I'd say two hours is the longest, and that's especially if, like, you know, they want to do. I've got a lot of hair. My hair is super thick. So, you know, if people want to do something different with my hair than the way I show up, which I usually show up with it just straight, um, then that's what takes the longest time because there's just so much of it. And then one one thing I've always wanted to ask, too, about uh, an episodic television, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it's a, it's a week shoot. So you come in, uh, you uh, do the makeup, you go do the shoot, and then, do you, like, have to, like, uh, go sit in a chair and then they take all the makeup off or do you just, like, uh, go uh, leave the set, uh, like, the way they did your hair and then you, you come back the next day and they fix it up or uh, do they not let you do that? Oh, yeah. Like, you, when you wrap, you grab baby wipes, you wipe off whatever you want, go wash your face, leave. <laughs> That's it. Like, even if your hair is in, like, pins and everything else, it's just, like, you take it down yourself and you hightail it. And if you come back, if you have to come back the next day, you just, you know, take a shower, wash your hair, get everything, you know, put set back to normal, and you go from there. And for for a show like, for instance, Law & Order, what uh, would be call time? What time would you have to get to the set? How early? What what time of the day? It Six depends. in the morning. Like, Sometimes it's 6 in the morning. Sometimes they have other scenes they're doing first, so it's not even until, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. One of the lot of Law & Orders I did, I didn't have to show up until 4 o'clock, and I was wrapped by, like, 10. So, yeah, it varies. What What is the longest day, the longest time amount you've been on set during one day? Uh, 22 hours on a gun for Jennifer because we had a shoot up in Bear Mountain, and... Um, yeah, that was pretty horrible. Twenty-two hours. Uh, so 22 what? Hours. So, oh, so, so you filmed for twenty-two hours. You went and you took a quick little thirty-minute nap, got something to eat, and went back right to it. No, no, no. We we shut down, I think, and uh, everybody recovered. Because there's no way you can shoot. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's a way to shoot very well after a twenty-two hour day. <laughs> I, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't imagine that. Well, you get very. Um, I, you know, this is why I keep my days at ten-hour days now because when people are working really hard at ten hours, at eight hours you start like losing your steam and your focus, and by ten hours, you're pretty much at half capacity. Once you go out over that, it just diminishes so rapidly. 
for every hour after, it's just not worth it. Like it's it's just there's there's a moment when there's a turning point when it just doesn't make sense because also like going late starts to affect the next day and then the day after that it's a ripple effect. It's just not worth it. There is one. There is one movie that I know that uh, our fans uh, are asking me about here in the chat room. Uh, because, you know, we, we are into, you know, we started out as a wrestling show and then we kind of went a little mainstream. But uh, the one that a lot of people are asking me about is called um, A Wrestling Christmas Miracle. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Uh, that's a Ken Del Vecchio film. And actually, it's kind of funny because... I didn't realize he was using the footage from a different movie to put footage of me into that film. So I don't know (laughs) why I'm in that movie. (laughs) I don't know how that happened. Um, It was shot for a different film. So, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know. And I really don't know what the film is. I could be completely honest well, no, I, I'm kind of curious. We, we got about uh, we got we got Deborah Twist here. We got about uh, three minutes here. And for those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, you like that. Go to 89.1 Ken's FM page, you like that. Do a ten dollar month donation, Power Tower. You get qualified to win an autographed picture from past guests, current guests, or future guests. And uh, Deborah, would you be willing to send us a few for giveaways? Sure. All right, we got we got about three minutes. I, I want to talk about this real quick. Now, you mentioned that you you didn't even know that you're in in the film. Uh, you, uh, according, uh, you, your build is uh, Doctor uh, uh, Doctor Gable, uh, Gable, I do believe. Now, when you found out that you're in this film and you didn't even go to the set and you didn't even film for it, isn't there any legalities about that uh, that you could <laughs> I think so. deal with? Well, the thing is. I I had signed on to play that role in a different film. So I think he had taken scenes from one of his other films, which, you know, he I had signed the contract, you know, allowing them to use my image in whatever way they wanted. And, you know, I'm always proud of the work I do, so I knew that I had nothing to fear about my work. I just don't know in what capacity that would be in a wrestling film. But, hey, it's all fine. It's all fun and games until AI comes along and portrays me as something I didn't do. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, how uh, Pam Dauber got her role in uh, Mork and Mindy. Uh, she read a, she read an article saying that she was cast in Mork and Mindy. She's like, well, when did I try out for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that so sounds now, like something that would happen. So now you know what that's like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, so we uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Deborah, we only got about uh, two minutes with you. Uh, if our fans want to check you out and see, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok? What do you got? Uh, Facebook and Instagram. I have, and it's always Deborah Twist, D E B O R A H T W I S S. I I have a TikTok, but I don't use it, and I have uh, LinkedIn, but I don't really use it. I have Twitter, but it's mostly to look at. I don't really tweet. Um, yeah, and for the most part, like I'm, I've been trying to avoid social media a little bit because it just became too toxic. It seems. 
That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Deborah, you are so wonderful, and I'm hoping that uh, if we haven't scared you way too much, uh, you would be willing to join us again at some point. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I promise to stop calling you at 2 in the morning. I promise. <laughs> Sounds fine. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Deborah. You're awesome. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, you guys. You're great. Have a great night. All right. Uh, Deborah Twist, ladies and gentlemen. So what did you guys think of uh, Deborah? That was kind of cool, huh? Yeah. That yeah. Was an interview. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, guys. we got a big show next week as well. If you, In case you guys didn't know, we have a big show every week. Uh, I, I'm, like I say, if you want to check out who we're going to have on next week, uh, you have to check out our Facebook page. But I'm going to drop a little hint here. Uh, one of the guests that uh, we have coming up in a couple of weeks uh, was in Return of the Jedi. Uh, so we'll uh, talk about that. And also, uh, we have a guest that uh, is related to a famous movie film cowboy. So I'm going to wet your whistle with that. Uh, so uh, uh, we got we got a lot of big stuff coming up here in the next, uh, well, well, till the end of the year, actually. Uh, and just to give everybody a fill-in, uh, we are not going to be having a show on July 3rd. Uh, I'm going to let everyone know we're not going to have a uh, show also on Monday, September 4th. Uh, so if, uh, they'll pro- we'll probably be re-ran that day. Because uh, basically I'm sure most of us are going to be out of town on the 4th of July anyway. And uh, uh, September 4th I will be out in the cities uh, cheering on the NDSU Bison against Eastern Washington, and it's also my nephew's uh, wedding around that time. So uh, so those are the only two times we'll not be uh, joining you for the uh, rest of the reason. But uh, as far as I know, uh, Granny, you're going to be here with us next weekend, aren't you? As far as I know, unless something changes, it, you never know. And, and uh, Nightmare, you're going to be with us as well, as long as you don't get injured in the ring, right? Yeah, as long as they don't recur another injury, uh, I should be on next week. Now, where are you wrestling again this coming weekend? Minneapolis. And who are you taking on? Uh, I do not know. It's a, it's an unknown. I do know who it is. I do know the name. I just am not familiar with the guy. It's a new opponent. I'm not sure how long he's been in the industry, but it's for a, a, a Lucha Libre company. So I'm. it's my debut there. And I'm excited to work for him and see where the future holds with them as well. Well, let me ask you this: Do you ever worry about uh, we only got we only got about sixty seconds before our, our music plays? But do you ever worry about that going in the ring with uh, an unknown? Well, absolutely. You know, you always try to you always need to protect your opponent. And you always need to get you also need to worry worry about yourself in the ring. And if it's somebody new, you always sit down and talk with them. You get their experience. You get their information. You watch maybe a match or two of theirs, but you always try to work stuff out. And if you are uncomfortable, you just say no. Uh, but haven't had any bad experiences per se yet, but you never know anything could happen in that ring. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, next week, uh, same time, same channel, 89.1 FM every Monday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time. And remember, it's not goodbye. It's just goodnight. Uh, until next week, love each other, care for each other, join us next week. We'll be here to entertain you uh, for a long time to come. So join us next week. We love you. And always be safe, and we will see you all next week.
listener-supported radio, so the programming you hear on our station is funded by our members and these local and area businesses. Pixeled Arcade and Beer Hall is a proud sponsor of 89.1 Ken's FM, specializing in vintage arcade games. Pixeled has all of the dedicated classics in Retro Row, including Pac-Man, Galega, Centipede, Tron, Star Wars, and Track and Field. Plus, you can play a match of Killer Queen or pump up your sneakers on NBA Jam. Plus, we serve a variety of beers and seltzers. 
Coming up on May 6th, Pixel will be celebrating with Paradox Comics and Cards as they turn 30. In honor of special guest Chris Claremont, we will be offering a variety of X-Men games to play and have a one-token challenge on our retro X-Men beat-em-up. Pixel's Arcade and Beer Hall, located at 1100 NP Avenue in Fargo, where you can play classic games at classic prices. The Joe Irby Law Firm is a proud sponsor of 89.1 Ken's FM. We're located at 403 Center Avenue, Suite 409 in Moorhead, Minnesota. We focus on business startups, business litigation, criminal defense, family matters, and contract writing and review. More information is available by calling 1-866-933-4544 or on the website at joeirbylaw.com. That's J-O-E-I-R-B-Y-L-A-W.com. The Joe Irby Law firm where we take sides yours you're listening to 89.1 ken's fm knmv holly fargo moorhead independent public radio for fargo moorhead and the valley also on the web at www.kensfm.com from feature story news in hong kong i'm richard kimber russia has launched its largest drone attack in many months on multiple ukrainian cities at least one person has died and several others have been injured in the fourth attack in just over a week. It comes just ahead of Russia's Victory Day celebration, which marks the defeat of Nazi Germany in the Second World War. Shelby Wilder reports from Kiev. Over the course of the last week, Russia has continuously bombarded Ukraine, but particularly the nation's capital. Now, Ukraine's military said this morning they'd shot down 36 Iranian-made Shahed drones. The majority of those were... 